West Ham beat Chelsea, Bayern Munich undeservedly beat Borussia Dortmund, and the MLS Cup final is set. We talk about all of this and more on today's episode of the Final Third podcast. So go ahead, give us a follow at Final Third Show on Twitter. That link will be down below. Leave a rating and a follow on whatever podcasting platform you listen to us on, and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome everybody to another news and predictions episode of the Final Third podcast. We're glad you're here. I'm one of your co-hosts, AJ Tabura, fan of West Ham United, Minnesota United, and the U.S. national teams. And as always, I'm joined by our favorite Chelsea fan, Jack. Jack, how are you feeling today? Uh, Well, this week I'm just an Atlanta fan. We're not going to talk about Chelsea, right? (laughs) Like, we don't have to talk about that. Uh... But anyway, I'm, I'm, I am a Chelsea fan, unfortunately, this weekend. Uh, I am an Atalanta fan, fortunately, this weekend. And I am a fan of Minnesota United and the French and U.S. national teams. Yes, we're going to be talking about Chelsea and West Ham and Atalanta today. So yeah. I'm really excited to talk about all those teams. A reminder of how these episodes work. It's our Monday episode, so it means we're going to go over the big news stories both on and off the field in the soccer world abroad and here at home in the United States, as well as predict some of the biggest games that are happening across the world. Uh, Before we get to any of that, let's plug our Twitter, Jack, at Final Third Show. Uh, Good times there. We tend to tweet about whatever crosses our minds, sometimes a a bit too liberally, I would say. Uh, but we live tweet games, we give our takes, we react to any news stories on Twitter. It's a lot of fun, would you say, Jack? Yeah, yeah, except when I have to do a forfeit when Chelsea get beaten by West Ham, which, speaking of which, AJ, yes. let's jump into this section. and Let's do it, why, Jack. Why don't you take it first, because I know you're just dying to talk about, as you wrote in our show notes, Moise's boys. <laughs> Moise's boys are back, or should I say they never quite left. It, it was only a, a, a little bit of issues going uh, going forward here. But, you know, it happened. The final third derby took place this past Saturday between West Ham United and Chelsea Football Club. Jack and I are fans of those two teams. Uh, one for each. We don't, we're, not, we're not fans of both of them. That would be weird. But <laughs> this, this was a big game because if you guys remember last season, we live streamed uh, the, the, the fixture of this. I wouldn't say reverse fixture. So I'm pretty sure it was at, it was at West Ham. Yep. Okay. And unfortunately Chelsea lost that. And I had to say something along or the lines. Chelsea of, won that one. You, yeah. yeah. What did I say? <laughs> you I'm said Chelsea to, lost it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to rewrite history here. You're right. Chelsea uh, won that game. I lost the bet and the bet was basically, I had to say something along the lines of Mason Mount is better than Declan Rice or Lingard or whatever I had to say. West Ham United won this game 3-2. to two. And so Jack had to go on Twitter. He was at a debate tournament, so he had to like go somewhere alone and record. Jack, well, I won't make you say it no, again. No, I'm not but, saying it again. Right, I'm, not, I'm right. not doing that. We're going to erase that. I erased what I said from my memory. It's fine. Well, <laughs> if, you, if you guys want to hear what Jack had to say, you can go to our Twitter at Final Third Ooh. Show. Basically had to say that Moyes was far and away the better manager than Tuchel and that Chelsea's a might very well be the smallest club in London. But, you know, let's get into this game because this is a very pivotal moment for, I think, 
both of these teams' seasons, especially going forward with such a tight title race that's happening. Uh, Jack, why don't you walk us through the first goal, which was a Tiago Silva goal. Uh, what happened there? Yeah, well, uh, Mason Mount whips in the corner kick. Tiago Silva gets a free header. Mikhail Antonio, who it looked like he was supposed to be marking him, uh, just yeah. didn't jump. Just uh, was he, like a tree, yeah. Yeah, and Tiago Silva got in, and I, I will say Fabianski is a bit unlucky to let that one in because it bounces off the post, just mm-hmm. slipping past his fingers. He was close to getting it, but yeah. Tiago Silva likes scoring against West Ham. That's his second goal in three games against him. Yeah, v- very good. Uh, I-, I think that Fabianski was kind of assuming that Antonio would challenge it. That's why he was kind of leaning one way because he was uh, he was predicting where the ball would go yeah. if Antonio would challenge. And obviously that didn't happen. Kind of goes to the point that Antonio kind of needs uh, a second striker to give him some rest because he, other than his assist this game, didn't really do much of note. Uh Big, uh, big props to Mason Mount, who we'll talk about in a, in a second here. I thought that was a, a good corner, and he, he he always seems to perform against West Ham, him and Thiago Silva, so unfortunately for us. Uh, but fortunately for West Ham, just 11 minutes later, Manuel Lanzini uh, gets the score a penalty thanks to uh, Jorginho and Mendy. Jack, I, I, I don't know exactly what happened here. Jorginho passed yeah. it back to Mendy. Kind of a, a, a weak back pass. Bowen kind of latches onto it because he realizes that he could potentially challenge for the ball. And then Mendy kind of uh, doesn't kick the ball out to safety. He kind of tries to manual Neuer it and, you know, come out with the ball. Instead, he sly tackles Jared Bowen and gets negative ball like zero ball like yeah it, yeah that that was that was kind of weird jack wouldn't you say yeah i've got i've got to say um before you talk about the actual goal because i know you really want to talk about this one because <laughs> yeah. i know i know you like this player quite a bit but uh this was not a good game from mendy this was yeah, was it? it it was weird. it was a rare a rare bad game like i i don't i can't recall any other performance that was as bad as this one uh, I, I, I know you don't watch like a ton of Chelsea games, but can you think, think of I any other, to, yeah. can you, can you think of any other bad games that he's had for them? Because well, no, because this is, this is the th- only the third time since Thomas Tuchel came over that they have conceded more than one goal. And it's the first time they've conceded more than one goal this season. This is kind of an anomaly. Uh, I, I don't think it's a sign for things to come, but still like you do not want Mendy to be making some of these mistakes that he's been making yeah uh well do you want to talk about who scored the resulting penalty (laughs) yeah like i mentioned before manuel lanzini scored and everyone knows him for scoring the last minute equalizer against tottenham last season uh scoring uh quite the goal last week against manchester city consolation goal i predicted that west ham would win this game thanks to a lanzini screamer the 90 plus eighth minute that didn't happen it was a penalty kick I'll take it. Pretty well taken. Yeah, Not but it also it here. also means no pizza. I, I don't have to I don't have to buy your pizza. There, That's there true. Go. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Jack, you might want to buy pizza for Mason Mount, who scored quite quite the goal uh, to bring Chelsea back up oh, before the break. Walk he, us through that goal. He, I I honestly think he he was the best player in this match on either side of 
of the field. Like in in all honesty, it might be yeah, it might be it might be blue colored glasses, but uh, <laughs> you know, I I really think he he was the best one. He had a goal and assist. This goal was really good. He uh, he latches onto uh, a a pass from Hakim Ziyech and just fires it in, and it's it's a solid goal. Uh, you know, it's he he had been threatening the whole game, and after after being you know kind of bantered on by other by other teams for saying oh he's not actually that good foden's better than than mount nah 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 mason mount is the best english attacking mid in 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 the league in the league in the world best english attacking mid in the world i'll say it he right. he, he was he was he was really good this game he created the most chances if chelsea i think had started lukaku they might have actually won this game uh, because Havertz didn't do a whole ton. So I really think if they had started Lukaku, maybe it, they might have won this game because Mason Mount was creating chances. He, uh, he had an 85 or 87 percent pass success rate. If if only if only three shots on target. I mean, if only I'm sorry, <laughs> I'll, I'll stop saying if only. as you can talk about the second half where. Tottenham just went 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 sicko mode. I guess I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you said Tottenham. I think you meant to say oh, West Ham. West Ham. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I would never cheer for Tottenham. No, I mean before that, I talk about we can about agree the, on we can agree yeah, on that. Yeah. Before I talk about the second half, I do want to mention like uh, we had an injury. Ben Johnson was trying to chase Mason Mount because he was way out, out of position. Mason Mount had like ten feet of like space, which for a player of his quality. If you give him any space, let alone 10 feet, he's going to do something crazy with it as he hit that volley and showed that's the case. So Masuaku came on. Uh, keep that name in mind for later. Mm. Uh, <laughs> in the second half, Lukaku comes on, but it's Jared Bowen who decides to score the next goal. Uh, the ball kind of just falls to him out right outside the box, and he takes the shot, just a, a, a laser on the ground to the bottom left corner. And he scores, gets a past Mendy. Should have Mendy done a little bit better? I don't know. Uh, it was a good goal, uh, regardless. Uh, Mendy, who did have a 4.4 in the <laughs> football braining, which is uh, more than 1.5 worse than any other player. So, not great from him. No. <laughs> Pablo Fornals comes in for Kurt Zuma. And the reason why I mentioned that, because I probably wouldn't mention that in any other time was because uh west ham does not have a lot of defensive depth and so i remember jack uh texting me asking me like oh kurtzuma kind of looks hurt what would happen if he you know comes off like who's gonna replace him and i said oh we'd probably go back to uh, a back four and jack said oh sweet i hope that happens because that's uh that'd be a lot easier to play against it should have been but it should have been. It should have been. <laughs> but then a certain Arthur Masuaku, King Ugh. Arthur, some might say, uh, you know, receives a, an overlapped ball from Mikhail Antonio and and got this, lucky. Got, yeah, absolutely got lucky. Yeah, that, he said it, it himself. Masuaku decides to go for a cross, miss hits it, and the miss hit just seems to be perfectly placed that it catches mendy off guard because everyone else thought it was going to be a cross too mendy was uh about to you know try to claim the ball ends up hitting the ball into his own net because 
that ball ended up dipping instead of going for the cross into the bo- the top left corner of the net. One in a million goal. He literally went on Twitter and said, I, I don't know if that was a shot or a cross. I just hit it and it went in. Jack, how does that feel like to lose 3-2 to two to West Ham in um, such a weird fashion? Uh, like a gut punch. Also, I want I want to point out that <laughs> the the shot itself had an XG on foot mob of zero point zero zero. It doesn't. It it was so low of an XG that it doesn't yeah. even have a whole number on it. That's it. It's it that mm, I, it's just it's just sad. It, in fact, it's that might sad. be the first time a goal like that has ever been scored. That was Masuaku's first Premier League goal, oh. period. Oh. It just, <laughs> it's worse. Literally, it's worse than I, I mean this. It was a one in a million goal. I don't think we could recreate that if we tried. It was... Jack, before we get too sad, I don't, I don't want to make you too sad. I, I'm already sad. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask, Jack, you know, to, 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 you know, maybe ease the pain a little bit. I'll say... Liverpool and City picked up three points each uh, this weekend, so <laughs> maybe you're making me more sad. I don't know what you're doing here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was just joking. I was just joking. Are are we at the point where Chelsea? I, I asked this last week. Start have to start, you know, worry a little bit about this title race, considering that Liverpool have, for for my money, the best player in the world right now, and. City have a great head coach and a, a really good system and players. Chelsea are going through kind of an, I won't say injury crisis, but they're going through some injuries to Chilwell, uh, Conte, uh, Kovacic, and Lukaku is coming back from fitness, but isn't really fitting the way that many fans want him to fit in. Are you worried a little bit about where uh, this form is taking Chelsea at all? Uh, I'm not too worried about it because i i do trust thomas tuchel i mean you you look you look at the results we've gotten we had a two, three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve twelve game unbeaten streak before this one twelve games unbeaten so i i i still trust that he that he has a plan i think though that all of a sudden getting a backup center back became even more important in this summer window. Like I, at, at first I was like, Oh, Chalobah's here. It'll be fine. And then he got injured. And uh, so I, I think we, we might need to find some reinforcement, maybe like a loan signing or something, because I don't want to, to like overcommit and do the Chelsea thing and overpay when you need an emergency signing as we've done so many times before. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm just hoping we can find a, a good fit for this team. I don't mm-hmm. have any names in mind, though. Uh, sure. If, but, you know, uh, it almost makes me wish we hadn't sold Kurt Zuma. But, uh, well, I'm, oh, I'm well. glad he's with West Ham. I know you are. <laughs> looking big picture at where Chelsea is going and trying to get to January to get those signings. Uh, Chelsea has a pretty good run of form in terms of uh, how likely they are to beat the teams like home at Leeds, home to, to Everton, away to Wolves. That might be tricky, but you know I think that's doable. It gets tough in January and February when you have Liverpool, City, and Tottenham all in a row, and then you have the Club World Cup, and then you have uh, the Champions League uh, knockout rounds in that February uh, time slot. So it becomes very imperative to you know 
kind of tread water until January and get those reinforcements or get those players healthy as soon as possible. Yeah. Well, what I'm hoping is Chalaba, Kovacic, uh, Conte, and even potentially Chilwell by February could be returning into this side. Could be for Chil- Chilwell's more of a potential uh, could return. But, you know, I, I think that, uh, that, you know, we, we just need emergency signings. You know, Liverpool yeah. needed it last season as well. Uh, and I, I think it also just shows, and we were talking about this when Liverpool were going through injury crises, how much schedule congestion affects the health of players. Mm-hmm. I so. agree. And West Ham, for the first time uh, in a while, I, yeah, Europa League has been hitting West Ham pretty hard in terms of fixture congestion. Uh, big picture for us, this is a great game. Losing Kurt Zuma to injury, losing Ben Johnson to injury really sucks. We have very, very little defensive cover, so this is going to be a, a, another like sprint to January just so we can get some more reinforcements. Got to get a backup left back uh, to you know put pressure on Cresswell to perform and also potentially replace him. Antonio, same issue, needs some rest. Got to have a backup. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm glad we won, but I'm worried about the next coming weeks and hopefully we can get some points for West Ham. Moving from one big game to the other, Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich ended up being 3-2 to two for the visiting side, Bayern Munich. Uh, Jack, walk us through very quickly the, the goals in this game. And I, I, I want to hear your opinion about that last goal in particular, Lewandowski penalty. So why don't you walk us through that? Yep. Well, this game started off really quickly. Two goals scored in the first 10 minutes. Julian Brandt, who has, hadn't been on the best form lately for Dortmund, but he gets on the score sheet first in the fifth minute. Lewandowski, of course, inevitable as he is, scores in the ninth minute. And uh, then right before halftime, Kingsley Coman scores for Bayern in the 44th minute. But then just on the other side of halftime, Dortmund's talisman, Erling Holland, scores in the, in the 48th minute. But then we get to this final goal, which is a penalty from Robert Lewandowski. Now, the, the, the controversy is over if this should have been a penalty or not. Uh, so I, I'm going to be completely honest. I haven't seen the, uh, enough angles of the, of the clip itself. Uh, but from what I've heard, it sounds like it was a very, very, very contentious decision. And from what I've heard about this referee's history, it, I, it could, I, I could see why Dortmund feels like they might've gotten robbed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to give some context to our listeners, this was, you know, this is Dirk Klasker, very big game, uh, in Germany. This was the first and uh, second position uh, in the Bundesliga, in contention, if Borussia Dortmund win this, they could, you know, get on top of the Bundesliga, potentially control their own destiny. So this was a huge, huge game, and you know, uh, Lewandowski. The reason why he got that penalty uh, and scored it was because uh, Hummels, you know, had a handball. Hummels also kind of had a defensive mistake, which led to the Coman goal. So very bad game from him, but still, was that enough to? give a handball question marks do arise uh another big controversy and probably what makes this penalty being called a little bit more 
uh, of a, a sting would be the missed penalty call or ignored penalty call, if you'd rather, uh, against Royce, who was fouled by Hernandez and no penalty was called. He was shoved. And, you know, this handball that was called on Hummels, when you look at that context, seems a little bit suspicious at the very least. And where this gets really, really bad on top of all of this, because any referee kind of messing up sucks. But this, pen- this penalty and this referee in general, Zweier, I believe his name is, had been previously banned for match fixing in the second Bundesliga in around 2005 or 2006. And so once people realized that, the question arised, A, why is he refereeing matches at all? And B, why is he refereeing the single biggest match in Germany right now? That, you know, match fixing should be a one and done offense. So why does he get a second chance? Jack, am I a little off base here? Do do people get second chances or is this like, or or is refereeing, should they be, you know, held to a standard above this? Like, I I, I don't know. Am I, am I being a bit uh, too, am I asking for too much here? I, I don't think so. Because when you consider like the punishment that teams have gotten for match fixing, right? Like Juventus yeah, in the Juve early 2000s. Relegated. relegated. And they might get relegated again, by the way, to, yeah. to Serie B for match fixing. Uh, but still, like, I, I mean, the, the penalty is severe for teams. It's severe when players bet on, t- on, on, uh, on mm-hmm. other sports teams. Why is it not severe, like, so severe when referees do this? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, they're still part of the game, and arguably... I, I mean, not even arguably, they need to be the least biased person on <laughs> exactly, the on the yeah. pitch like they have to be. So it doesn't make sense that you give them an extra an, another try after they've shown like, yeah, I'm willing I'm willing to to sway my decisions for the right price. Right. And um, I, I, I looked at the pe- the I, I found a clip of it. Yeah, that that shouldn't be a penalty. He's like being pushed into it. And is like putting his arm down to brace himself. It looks like, mm-hmm. which isn't a penalty. Uh, like it's it's also not away from his body. It's like up here protecting his face, mm-hmm. right? Like that shouldn't be a penalty, in my opinion. But yeah, I uh, tend to agree. Yeah, and I, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's 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 a bit tough because I I think honestly this might take Dortmund out of the title race. Really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this this was their chance to make a stand and like show Bayern what they're made of. If if they had won this game, they would have gone ahead of them. And you know, Bayern being who they are, they have the depth. They have they have the personnel to do things. They're they're probably gonna they're probably going to go on and win the Bundesliga yet again, which is very right. unfortunate. I think. Yeah, this was. You know, l- l- looking at, at, at like the long term effects of this game, I think you're right that this is this was the game that Dortmund needed to win if they wanted to have a chance, because as we have been saying for uh, the past you know year that we've been doing this podcast, Bayern Munich just don't mess up consistently. They're always going to be consistent. So you have to keep pace. And when you play them, you have to beat them because that is that is the six pointer advantage. That's how that is how you jump ahead. You have to keep pace with them, but that's not enough to jump ahead of them because they are going to find ways to win no matter what. They're going to be dominant. And now that Dortmund lost at home 
and the next chance they have to beat Bayern Munich is going to be, you know, at Bayern Munich at their home ground. It's going to be super, super hard. So, yes, Erling Holland is going to be, you know, very, very good, especially now he's back from injury. He's going to help them. But unless something happens within Bayern's ranks that causes them to fall off a little bit, I, I really have a hard time seeing Dortmund having a very good chance. It's still possible, but I don't think they have a very good chance at getting that title, just as you said, Jack. Speaking of title, let's move on to a certain well, Italian title. I, I, wanted oh, yeah, to quick, I wanted to quick mention something about this game. Did you hear about Jude Bellingham? In the uh, in the aftermath oh, of this, I definitely want to talk about this because Jude Bellingham uh, got some flack for some comments. Jack, what did he say there? Uh, well, he said after the after the match, you uh, quote, you give a referee that is match fixed before the biggest match, the biggest game in Germany. What else would you expect? Uh, questioning the the, uh, you know, the referee and. uh it turns out that the DFB might be pursuing some defamation claims against Jude Bellingham, so he mm. might uh, he might have some criminal complaints against him for uh, why for, though it, 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 exactly the, the, the guy did no match I, fix. I, I I don't I don't think I, I don't think he'll uh, lose this case I th- I think he'll he'll win it because well I mean then again I don't know the the laws in Germany right yeah but. I mean, it's not slander if it's true, is it? So yeah, it's not. That that's that that's the thing. Uh, so he he did state a fact that he's match mm-hmm. fixed before, and he was expressing his discontent with it. But I think I, I think the only thing that might get him is like the implication that he was oh, match right. fixing. Yeah. Right. I think that I think that's the more the more thing. It's basically a backhanded yeah, accusation of match fixing. But I uh, at the same time. I, I think it's kind of stupid. I think he yeah. should be allowed to speak his mind, right? Uh, it's that that <laughs> that he should be allowed to. If if that's how he saw it, that's how he saw it. Kind of a bad look for the DFB, don't you? Oh think? yeah, for like, sure. I mean, didn't I? I mean, they they've had a lot of situations where yeah. they, where they've had some where they've made some questionable choices in the past. So I'm not too shocked by it. Yeah, I I I, I can't wait to see what happens out of what's going on with this game uh you know we go from one three to two game to one three to two game to another three to two game <laughs> this time it's a it's a atalanta winning against napoli three to two napoli who were ahead in the league for a long time now kind of faltering and atalanta storming into title contention jack as an atalanta fan i'll let you take the reins here what happened here, and how happy are you? Ah, oh, finally, I can be happy this podcast <laughs> episode. Thank God. Um, but I, I want to say first that I kind of called Napoli, Napoli kind of falling downhill because Did AJ, you? at the beginning of the season, you were like, "Oh, Napoli, they're, 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 they could win Serie A," oh, and boy. I was like, "Napoli always fall behind in, in this. They don't have the same depth as these other teams." I can't remember which episode it was, but. I think it was whichever one where we called the top four because mm-hmm. I believe you said Napoli would win Serie A, AJ. I believe you did, but could be wrong Probably. on that. But still, I, I think Napoli are, you know, ki- kind of showcasing just some really bad form. They've won one of their last four games in, in all competitions. Uh, but that includes a 3-2 loss to Inter Milan, a 3-2 loss to Atalanta, 
a 2-2 draw to Sassuolo, and a 2-1 loss to Spartak Moscow, which not exactly fantastic. But I I think, you know, this this game was awesome. I, you know, everyone for Atalanta really was performing almost at their best. You know, the first goal by Ruslan Malinovsky, I'm not sure how much you watched of this game or if you saw any of the goals, but Malinovsky's opener was a beautiful goal. He he just receives it on the edge of the box and just curls it into the top corner. No goalkeepers really getting to that. David Ospina definitely didn't get to it. Uh-huh. Uh, and they uh, and Atalanta took the lead. But Piotr Zielinski actually uh, like had a really good sequence where he uh, where you know, Napoli got in behind Atalanta. He fired the shot in. It was blocked. Second time of asking. He scored it. And then right after right after halftime, I thought I was getting a little worried, although this goal I was OK with because it's one of my favorite players uh, that that scored this goal. It was <laughs> Dries Mertens. I, I, I don't know what I don't know what it is about him, but I, I just can't not like him. I, I really like his, his style as a player. Uh, and, you know, Napoli took the lead, but Atalanta weren't done, which was interesting because usually when their defense gets carved open and they start searching for more goals, they get more vulnerable. But somehow their defense started getting better. And I don't know how I don't know how he found himself in this position, but Mary Demeral was playing at striker for this goal, basically. Wow. He latched onto a pass from another center back who was playing as like an attacking midfielder, Raphael Toloy, fires a cross in, and Demeral just latches onto it and fires it over uh, and into the top of the net. Beautiful goal. And then Froiler wins the game. The captain uh, or what? No, wait, he wasn't captain for this game. He's the second captain for Atalanta. Uh, right, I, I, yeah. I forgot Raphael Toloy was on the pitch, but he got a goal involvement as well. Uh, Raymond Freuler fired it in from the edge of the box and made it three to two. And Atalanta actually held on to win a game for 20 minutes, wow. which I can't say that often <laughs> because they're not that solid defensively. Yeah. But it was it was a great game. And as far as the Serie A title race, it's going to be an exciting one. Four yeah. points separates the top four. That's awesome. Uh, and I, I also can't overstate how happy I am that none of those top four are Juventus. <laughs> I, I, yeah. re- I really can't. I really can't say enough how happy I am. They're, they're in fifth now, but that's still not top four. <laughs> that is not top four. You're right. Now, this is going to be a really interesting, interesting uh, Serie A season, especially as we go on to the second half. I've tweeted this before. I'm really excited to watch how this unfolds because this top four, Milan, Inter, Napoli, Atalanta, if you tell me that you, at the end of the season that any, any of them won, I'd be like, yeah, they've had a good season. Uh, especially the likes of AC Milan and Napoli, who I've been very impressed with and their uh, head coaches and their signings and how they've clicked together. Very, very good. But going even beyond that, fifth through seventh place, like the, where the conference and Europa League spots that's always going to be a tough, you know, fight no matter what. But especially this season when you have Juve, which, you know, they could challenge the top four if they find form. But, you know, if they stay in that Europa League spot, they're on 27 points. And then going down to uh, uh, Bologna, 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 yeah, Bologna, yeah. Bologna. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Bologna in ninth place. Fifth place to ninth place, only separated by three points. And. There are a lot of teams in that bunch of teams that have a very, very good chance of going to Europa League. Roma, Lazio, Fiorentina. Those are teams that are used to making some sort of Europe. So this is going to be 
a very tight race in all aspects in Syria. Uh, I decided to look up the 538 projections for ah my uh, favorite Syria. website. Yeah, and as it turns out, the t- most likely team, according to 538, to win Syria is Inter Milan with 53 percent. Not just the plurality, a majority of the the chance to win this title race. I think a lot of that is because they won it last season, so that might have carried over. Also. Well- yeah, go ahead. I, if, I, if I can interject, because I, I've I've done I've worked with these models a lot in, in some coding projects for fun. OK, um, it's actually because of their SPI score, uh, soccer power index. Right. They have 85.6. I'm yep. saying here. And what this means is it's a measure of one, how good the team is. But there's also if you're looking at it on a computer uh, mm-hmm. there, there's two little numbers. There's offense uh, and defense. Yep. Yeah. That that it represents how many goals on a neutral field. They're expected to score versus how many they're expected to uh, like um, concede. And so, you know, it, it plays out a random probability distribution for each of these matches in a season. Like, I think 50,000 different simulations for each of those. And that's what and then it, it aggregates it together. Mm-hmm. The only reason I know this is because I had to build one of these for <laughs> for a, a model for a class. So I. Nice. It, it, it takes a lot of code, about a thousand lines, just FYI. <laughs> That's fun. Well, Jack, do you agree with 538's model, like using not just, you know, stats, but using your eyes and uh, whatever, whatever else other tools you want to use? Like, do you think Inter Milan are the most likely to win this Serie A title? Because I don't, I don't really think I'm that convinced. I, I honestly, uh, you can call me biased. Inter and Atalanta, I honestly think have some of the best chances yeah. for it. The reason why is because they consistently have had good form this season. Uh, Napoli and uh, Napoli's running through a rough, uh, a rough patch of form right now. And AC Milan are, you know, they're, they're, they're not in the best form. And the two teams they played are uh, Genoa and Salernitina. I don't, I, I pronounced that wrong. I'm sure not exactly the greatest of opposition in the world nor in Serie A. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not completely convinced by them, especially since, like, you know, Napoli's depth is not fantastic. Uh, and AC Milan, you know, they, they, they're, they're good, but I, I, I also worry about, about their chances. But Napoli are missing their top two center backs right now, uh, Manolas and Koulibaly, which is going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. That that's that that's definitely going to hurt them. They're also missing two two is uh, really important midfielders and Fabian Ruiz and Angisa, and they're missing Lorenzo Insigne and Victor Osimen. And Osimen could be out for another month or so. Right. So that th- those are some tough losses for them, and it will be interesting to see how they adapt and overcome those ones. Whereas Inter Milan, if, if their depth is really good, even after losing the pieces they did. So. Um, I also think they actually have one of the signings of the season on their team, uh, Inter. So, uh, in Ed and who, who would that be? Oh, Jacko. Ed and Jacko. Yeah. I, yeah, Roma gave up on him because he's like 36 or something like that. He scored like eight yeah. or nine goals already in in 13 games. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I was a big fan of that Jacko signing, and obviously, like it's paid off for them. So, oh yeah, yeah for good sure, good for them, good for them. Uh, let's move on very quickly to talk about the MLS semifinals. Uh, our Thursday deep dive coming up is, you know, planned to be an MLS Cup final preview, talking about 
the semifinals, the paths that the two finalists have taken to get to this point and what to look for in the final. So just going over in like a very uh, broad view, Portland Timbers hosted RSL in the Western Conference final, fourth seed versus seventh seed. Felipe Mora scored the first goal in quite interesting fashion. Uh, the ball kind of pinged Aaron Herrera right back uh, for RSL, tried to clear the ball, ended up hitting Mora, and it rebounded off Mora. Mora wasn't even trying to score. It just hit Mora and bounced right past uh, David Ochoa, and I'm guessing Jack and a lot of other people are going to be happy that that's what happened, and rolled into the net to put Portland up 1-0 very early into the match, and that kind of set the tone. Aaron Herrera did not have a great game. In fact, got a yellow card and another yellow card and got sent off later on in the match. But that wasn't until before uh, Santiago Moreno in the 61st minute scored quite the goal outside of the, the box to uh, you know put them up 2-0. to zero. And at that point, uh, kind of killed the game off. It was a very comprehensive win for Portland. Not much to really say about it. When it's the, you know, the fourth seed versus the seventh seed, there's kind of a, a disparity. So Portland Timbers will go on to the MLS Cup final. We'll talk a bit more about what their team's going to look like because they didn't play with Blanco and Blanco might be coming back for that final. So arrested Blanco might be interesting to uh, play against. Uh, going on to the other side of the bracket, the Eastern Conference final. A little bit of drama here. Uh, it was Philadelphia Union hosting New York City FC. This had a lot, a lot of people talking in the run-up to this game because 11 of Philadelphia Union's players were out due to COVID protocols. 11. This included starting goalkeeper Andre Blake and backup goalkeeper Joe Bendick. So they had to call in uh, uh, their third choice, uh, Matt Freeze, which is, you know, he, he's a good player, but, you know, at 23, he's not like he's a... Uh, the world beater that he could be. <laughs> they also had to call in uh, the MLS pool goalkeeper to be their secondary goalkeeper on the bench. Not great from a, uh, from a death, per uh, death perspective, I suppose. They're also missing the likes of uh, Bedoya, who's their captain. Defenders Kai Wagner, Jack Elliott, and Glesnes, who are all starters, mind you, as well as a bunch of other squad players. So they were very, very short-changed. And still, they came to this game looking very, very good. That They looked very lively. The likes of Leon Flash, uh, uh, Gazdag all seemed up for it. Martinez especially as well. Uh, they actually you know, sc scored first. Well, they didn't really score. It was an own goal from Alexander Callens. Probably should have done better there. But, you know, Maxi Morales then decided to you know, stop playing around. Two minutes later, scored... Uh, to, to equalize the game and Talis Magno for NYCFC. A great cross from uh, uh, Thorinson to uh, set him up. A uh, little bit of a mistake from Philadelphia Union's fullbacks, but can you really blame them? They're not really used to, to playing in such a, a high-level match. Uh, Aurelian Collin was their center back. He's 35. And you had the likes of uh, Finlay, who doesn't really play. Harriel, who's just 20, like this is McGlynn, who's 18 years old. Like this is not a team that was expected to win, but they, you know, they tried their best. And I guess that's all you can really ask for. NYCFC will go to Providence Park, Portland, and uh, we'll see what happens there. It's uh, two, <laughs> two uh, fourth seeds facing off. Jack just uh, kind of 
went few or whatever because this means that Yankee Stadium will not yes. be hosting oh, a game, which God. Jack is happy for, aren't oh, you? Do you do you know how discouraging that would be to all of just what MLS has built? That would just be a massive middle finger to MLS trying to increase soccer as like a, as like a big sport in the US, right? Yeah. Like being like, hey, we have our final for the entire soccer season in the US. You want to know where it's being held? In a baseball stadium. Yeah. That's that's just I, I'm so glad that it is being held in. I mean, honestly, Providence Park is a great stadium and it's. I one of the most ideal places for an MLS Cup, if we're being honest. If we're mm-hmm. talking about cities that have soccer history and stadiums with soccer history, you you couldn't really pick a better one. Yeah, literally the best choice or the worst choice of RSL when it was in it was in NYCFC. That was yeah, like it was, there was no in between. <laughs> polar opposites. Yep. Jeez, yeah. Uh, shout out to the Philadelphia Union and their fans. That really sucks. Uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll talk NYCFC's more about that. NYCFC's man of the match was COVID nineteen. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yikes, yikes, indeed. Uh, let's talk about RB Leipzig firing Jesse Marsh is just official today after a bad run of form that sees them in I believe eighth place in the Bundesliga, squarely, uh, squarely mid table. They have decided to let him go after three short months hiring him. Uh, this just this past summer from RB Salzburg, one of their feeder teams. Uh, Jack, you know, we're, you know, kind of fans of Jesse Marsh. I know you're not the biggest fan of him in terms of his actual quality, but, you know, as an American, we do want him to do well. Do you think this was the right move for RB Leipzig to fire him uh, this early in the season? I, I kind of think so. I, they're almost halfway through the season. Yeah, they're actually in 11th, I should say. That's a Yeah, they're, they're actually closer to the relegation zone than they are okay. to top four. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. five points away from relegation and seven points from top four. They are literally m- as mid of, uh, of mid-table as you can be. Yeah. Like, uh, and they've had some poor results recently in the league. Yes, they, they had a good result in Europe against uh, Club Bruges, but... You know, they they lost against Hoffenheim, lost against Leverkusen, lost against Union Berlin. And I mean, they just weren't picking up wins all the time where they really should be. You know, uh, I the loss to Wolfsburg to Mainz, especially that was that was a big alarm bell on the fir- on the first day of the season. Honestly, when they lost to Mainz, that was uh, that, that was a signal that it might that it might have <laughs> been the right. The running might have been on the wall there. You know, Leipzig are trying to be a club that is competitive, not just in the Bundesliga, but in all of Europe, right? And mm-hmm. they, they want to reflect that. They, they want to be, like, have the confidence in, like, uh, in, in their system and their hiring to be able to do what, like, clubs like Chelsea and Manchester United do, where they can fire their manager in the middle of the season if they're not meeting expectations. And... I, as much as I hate to say it, I, I think Jesse Marsh just wasn't cutting it there. Uh, I, I said at the time when he got hired that I was worried about the jump up between the Austrian Bundesliga and the Bundesliga. And I feel like I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I've kind of been proven right to an extent there. Yeah. That it, ha- that it, has, uh, it has kind of shown that it might have been a bit of a step too, a, a bit too early for that step mm-hmm. to be taken. I, I don't think he's a bad coach at all. I, I just think that he needed more time. It's kind of more like a Lampard-esque situation where he's not a bad coach, 
but it's just that he moved up the levels too quickly. Yeah, I, I, I you are slightly vindicated, uh, but looking from like a bird's eye view, yes, his teams were weren't very good. Uh, the lineups that he put out weren't very good. The, the, the tactics and how he performed in Europe weren't very good. I, I don't know. Can you really put this squarely on him? Like, I, oh, I, no, I don't think so. No, no, it's not. It's not entirely his fault. But yeah. uh, ultimately, if Leipzig want to cast themselves as a serious club that wants to contend in all in all of in all competitions, they're, they're not sitting around waiting for a project. They, they want yeah. results right like that. That's what they want. Well, in that case, I don't know why you would hire him while at the same time letting go your best pieces to your rival, Sabitzer, well, yeah. Konate, Upamakano, Upamakano, and Sabitzer went to Bayern Munich this past summer. At the same time, not really giving uh, Jesse Marsh a lot of reinforcements to work with. What, what was their best signing this past summer? Like Andre Silva? Like that? that I, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, and they hire someone who's used to their system yes but someone who is relatively unproven at this level and just expect him to perform you know uh, yes he could have performed better if he was handed a project in the running and didn't have to kind of rebuild and retool to me this is more of a failure when we look at the bird's eye view of red bull and like their group and leipzig in particular than it is necessarily jesse marsh because I, I'd probably say that any coach of his caliber or even slightly better than his caliber would have failed too. And what they should have done probably would be hire a head coach that's really proven it at this level before. I don't know who that would be, but... Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard, I'm yeah, I'm for kidding, sure. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Jack, where do you think Jesse Marsh should go or will go next? Um, I... I don't know. Maybe the 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 two Bundesliga would would be would be decent. Yeah. Uh, get get some more. Get used to the game in Germany even more. Uh, while playing at a, a bit of a lower level, and then pro- proving yourself once again that you can get back into the Bundesliga. Heck, even get a get a two Bundesliga team into the Bundesliga yourself. Sure. But just don't be Greuther Firth, I guess. Yeah, don't uh, be <laughs> Yeah, I, I I agree. Like whether it be like a lower table Bundesliga team or a, a a good two Bundesliga team I think that'd be really good I'd also say like, I think his attacking style works for a lot of uh leagues around that area like Belgium the Eredivisie in the Netherlands Denmark or Switzerland I'd also be open to him getting like a short-term assistant job assistant manager job at like uh a, a good team while he's waiting for his vacancies to open people have mentioned Ralph Rangnick is currently Manchester United and is looking for assistant coaches. Uh, he has worked with Ralph Ragnick in the past uh, with RB Leipzig and is used to that system and what he wants to do. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'd be down for that too. All I know is that he shouldn't take over the U.S. men's national team spot just yet. I, I'd like to see him perform well in uh, the club game for a little bit. Jack, let's talk about some Champions League before we start talking about some of the predictions that we're going to talk about uh do you want to just like quickly run over where we're going into the the final match day and which games if any that we should be looking out for to see how these groups will be decided yeah well um first of all um you know group a is wrapped up for who's going into the the knockout rounds man city and psg they're going in that order um but the big one in that group 
RB Leipzig versus Club Bruges. They both have tough games. Leipzig against City, Bruges against PSG. If either of them can get a point from this, then they're guaranteed, uh, like, if they can get more, a better result than the other, they're guaranteed Europa League. If not, they're out. So that'll be interesting. Group B, uh, it's a race for second place because Liverpool have tied nice. tied up first place on this group. Uh, FC Porto is on five points and Milan and Atletico Madrid are on four. In my opinion, it's between Porto and Atletico Madrid here. They play each other. Milan have to go to or no, they're, they're playing against Liverpool at home, but still, it's going to be yeah. tough to get a result. Even although Liverpool might rest players, but it's really between these three teams. Uh, I, I, I think, honestly, Porto probably have the most decent chance of making it. If I'm being completely honest, they're playing at yeah. home against Atletico Madrid. So that that's my guess for who's going through on that one, which would be disappointing for Atletico Madrid for sure. Um, group C, that's decided. It's one of the most boring ones out there. Who's <laughs> who's going through and all of that. Uh, group D, same thing there. Uh, although Real Madrid and Inter have a game to see who becomes the first seed out of this group. Right. If Inter win, their first seed. Big match. Uh, Big yeah. match. If not, then then they stay in second. Either way, they're both qualifying through this one. And I want to say for Group C, Ajax and Sporting are the two teams going through here. And Dortmund uh, are uh, guaranteed to go yep. through the Europa League. Guaranteed Yikes. Europa League. FC Sheriff, by the way, guaranteed Europa League as well. Oh, nice. Uh, for first European competition in the Champions League, you know, not too bad. Not too I, bad. I, I'd, I'd say that it's, that's a pretty decent result for them. I think uh, so. Picking up a famous win against Real Madrid along the way. I mean, you can't Iconic. ask for much better. Yeah, yeah, you literally. can't really ask for much better in your debut UCL season. Um, and then in the next one, Group E, big, big, big matchups Ooh, here. Ooh, yes, let's go. Bayern versus Barca. Barca probably need a result in this game. No. It, yeah. In order to qualify for the knockout rounds. Because if Benfica beat Dynamo Kiev, they're playing them at home, so... They, they're very likely to beat Dynamo Kiev. If they win, then uh, if, if Barcelona don't beat Bayern Munich, they are out of the knockout rounds. Like, out. Even a draw won't be enough, because even if Benfica win by one goal, they will have a better goal difference than Bayern, or than Barca, Barcelona. God. <laughs> and, uh, and there's too many B teams in, the, in this, in this, in this yeah, group. Yeah, literally, jeez. So, uh, group E should have been Group B. That's a bad joke. But either way, uh, Benfica could go through and Barca could miss out on the knockout rounds for the first time in a while. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time they missed the knockout rounds of the UCL, but definitely could happen here. The post Messi era is hitting hard. <laughs> and then we've got another exciting group, Group F, because Manchester United, they're going to be top out of this group. Uh, unless some absolutely wild stuff happens. But Atalanta versus Villarreal is the big game in this. If Atalanta win against Villarreal, they're going to make it into the knockout rounds. Otherwise, they're probably going to be in the Europa League, unless Young Boys beats Manchester United. So Atalanta really need a positive result to stay in European competition, which, you know, they're at home against Villarreal. Villarreal has not been on the best form recently. I, I think it's possible that they could that they could pull that off um mm -hmm. so that that's definitely a group to look out for group but i'm gonna i'm gonna skip this one real quick go to group h chelsea and juventus are going through uh 
it's all a matter of who goes through as the top seed. Um, Juventus are probably going to beat Malmo. If they don't, that's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, and Chelsea the, should beat Zenit. Should. <laughs> emphasis on should. Uh, and if both teams win, uh, then Chelsea go through as the top seed. Yeah. But I, going back, circling to the most interesting group, which is Group G, because any of these teams could make it into the knockout rounds. Literally any combination of them. Uh, Wolfsburg versus Lille and Salzburg versus Sevilla. You know, it could be Sevilla and Wolfsburg who who make it in. If Sevilla and Wolfsburg both win, that could be enough to to knock them both into uh, in into uh, into into those spots. Uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild one. Uh, definitely keep your eyes peeled for these games. They're going to be some of the best ones, I think. Salzburg versus Sevilla is going to be exciting, and Leo versus Wolfsburg should be an interesting one as well. It's also worth noting that three of the four teams in this group will have U.S. players likely playing for them. Yes. So, you know, any U.S. fans are definitely going to want to keep their eyes out for that one. But real quick, AJ, on, on that one, since it's the most exciting one, which two are you having as your teams to make it through this? Well, I think I am going to have to agree with 538's projections. They have <laughs> RB Salzburg. I mean, it's true. I mean, our RB Salzburg is, you know, uh, currently second place. Lille are currently first place. Uh, they have that advantage going for them. I, I, I don't know uh, which teams are at home, but uh, they have. Uh, that would be Salzburg and Wolfsburg. All right. And I don't know. I, I think Lille uh, should, you know, w- win that game. Salzburg has a 64% chance of making the knockout round. Lille's 56%, Wolfsburg 44, and Sevilla 36. So insanely close, but I think Salzburg and Lille can do it, partially because I like Weah and Aronson, and I hope that they can make it. No offense to John Brooks, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think I like them just a slightly a, a little bit more in terms of uh, how much I'd want to see them in the knockout rounds. So, yeah. Jack, thank you. Everybody, please watch those games. We're going to be live tweeting them at Final Third Show, so uh, we're excited to watch those final games. Some real quick news. The U.S. Men's National Team December camp is set, and all, uh, not all domestic camp, but mainly domestic camp, uh, just to keep players, you know, fit and ready for the January window. We'll also have a January camp as well. But this is going to be... Uh, this game is going to be on the 8th against uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. And just to go over some of the, you know, uh, bigger names or names that you should, you know, look out for to see if they perform well. In the goalkeeper section, Matt Turner, we, we all know him, we all love him. But we have some younger goalkeepers, uh, John Poolscamp, backup in SKC, and Gabriel Slonina, big name, yeah. 17 years old. Got a lot of clean sheets for Chicago Fire, a bad team. So definitely keep your name out for that guy. Uh, defenders, Walker Zimmerman, you know, all love him, hate him. If you know, I like him, so whatever. Then we have some players uh, that are coming back uh, from injury, or one in particular, Aaron Long, who, you know, has performed pretty well for the U.S. Men's National Team before. Uh, did, I believe, his ACL or, or, or some, uh, some bad thing and was out for a long time. He's back. Maybe we'll see him perform. Good to see him. Good depth that he provides. And then some other young names to watch out for in the defending section. Brian Reynolds, Justin Shea, Jonathan Gomez, who is going to be uh, joining Real Sociedad in the winter, currently plays for Louisville City. 
very good left back. We need left back depth. I'd love to see him. And uh, yeah, Kevin Paredes, which I think is more of a midfielder, also listed here. Winger for DC United. Great kid, 18 years old, great talent. Uh, in the midfield, you know, we know Callan Acosta, Christian Roldan, Jackson Ewell, unfortunately, is here because J.M. Sands wasn't able to make it because he's still in the playoffs. Uh, but Cole Bassett and Johnny Car- Cardoso, uh, we've seen them before, but again, very good uh, central midfielders to keep your eyes out for. And forwards, finally, Jossie Zardes, we know and love, or many people hate. I might be one of those people. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, we've seen a, a lot of, you know, good to see him get some more run out, especially because he's just 18 years old. We have some uh, another returning player from injury, Jordan Morris, who did his ACL uh, when he was with Swansea City uh, back in March or April. He's back from injury. He, you know, he played for Seattle. Hope to see him because he's great, great winger depth when he's healthy. Uh, other great talents, Taylor Booth, who, you know, is more of a central midfielder, but, you know, we'll count him. Caden Clark and Cade Cowell, who had you know pretty good seasons for the Red Bulls and the Earthquakes, respectively. Great names to see. Uh, and very quickly, I, I, I'll talk about some of the exclusions. Johnson, Sands, Herrera, Flatch, Aronson aren't here due to playoffs. They're all play for uh, teams that were in the conference playoffs. Mihalovic, who Jack's a big fan of, actually is on trial right now for uh, Bologna in Syria. And so, yeah, he's wearing the, the Impact shirt right now. Uh, so I hope that trial goes well for him. Uh, DK, who has had a pretty good end of the season with Orlando, just needs some rest because he has not had enough of that at all. Uh, other real quick news. Uh, Chelsea FC win the FA Cup. Jack, what happened there? Uh, Sam Kerr went crazy and Fran Kirby, too. You know, it was it was awesome to see. I was very happy after sadness hit on Saturday. Sunday came through and really delivered some positive results there. Chelsea beat Arsenal 3-0. to zero. Sam Kerr scored twice and Fran Kirby scored for uh, once in the third minute for Fran Kirby. 57th and 77th minute for Sam Kerr. Myself and a uh, friend of the podcast, Gianna, we're big fans of Sam Kerr. Very happy to see uh, Sam Kerr do so well in that and get another trophy for the club of the year. Yeah, just 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 have to remind myself of that. Uh, <laughs> despite the West Ham loss, uh, we we got to remember the good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff. And speaking of good stuff, Sam Kerr had quite the chip over uh, Arsenal's oh, goalkeeper for that third fantastic. goal. And yeah, not much better than that. You can't ask for a better performance out of Sam Kerr. Uh, some more fun facts I think uh, everyone will uh, indulge in. FC Barcelona are closer relegation with 11 points to the relegation spots than they are Real Madrid, 16 points. Uh, just want to include that just because I think that's funny. Uh, we didn't really talk about Manchester United, uh, but I, I did feel like it was worth noting that they are steadily improving uh, under Ralph Ragnick. According to him, uh, Ragnick was impressed by the high tempo high speed and high intensity that United played with uh, on Sunday when Fred, of all people, powered the Red Devils to a 1-0 win, home win even, over the mighty, mighty Crystal Palace. So, uh, yeah, I saw a lot of United fans happy that they won, which I you know it's good to win, but keep in mind, it's a 1-0 win. It was Fred that scored, and it was against Crystal Palace. I'm sure they'll do good, but those are some uh, 
facts that are indeed facts. Jack, how about we we go to uh, some predictions, particularly last week's predictions, unless you have something to say about anything else. All right. No, I, th- I think we, I think given that we've talked on news for about an hour, we should probably get into the predictions section real yeah. quick. Uh, so just a reminder of how it works. You get 10 points for getting the result correct, 20 points for getting the exact scoreline correct, and five points for guessing the winner uh, in a penalty shootout, which came into relevance this week. But before we go into it, AJ and I both forgot to put up the polls uh, this, <laughs> this weekend, which means that we, we just decided to give the listeners the top amount of points that uh, that uh that you know any one person got in this one so um mm-hmm. yeah well let, let's get into it first of all new england revolution versus nycfc mls cup quarterfinals another first seed bites the dust it was two to two after a crazy draw after extra time with Tajon buchanan scoring in the 118th minute to take NYC or sorry to take New England Revolution two penalties but it wasn't enough and NYCFC won 5 to 3 on penalty kicks really good penalties from them and uh you know good for them making it to their first MLS Cup final even though I don't want them to yeah. win but either way uh I guessed that they would win this one I'll take 5 points for that uh AJ guessed an NYCFC win as well He'll take five points, and we gave the listeners five points for that one. So, AJ, why don't you take us to the Merseyside Derby? Yeah, I'll take you to the Merseyside Derby because, as listeners will remember, uh, you know, in the in this section, the prediction section, we predict five big games, and then the, the following week we recap them. So, with Everton versus Liverpool, end up being four to one, and I gotta say, Liverpool are elites. They went up by two in the first twenty minutes, thanks to Henderson and Salah. Gray got a goal for Everton. Uh, unfortunately for me, because I had Trent Alexander-Arnold in my FPL team, really wanted that clean sheet. But Salah and J- Jota quickly put Everton's hopes to bed. The game ended 4-1. to one. I think it's time for Rafa Benitez to go. Everton are not exactly in great shape. Haven't won in the past, like, eight games. Not great. Not great at all. Uh, but it's great that Jack and I both predicted a pretty heavy Liverpool win. Just didn't really get the scoreline exactly correct. Jack said 3-0. to zero. I said 2-0. to zero. We'll get 10 points. Listeners, we'll also give you 10 points as well. Jack, United versus Arsenal in the midweek. How did that go? Uh, well, it was quite a game, uh, including an interesting goal where David De Gea got fouled by Fred, his own player, and was uh-huh. down injured as Emile Smith-Rowe tucked away the opener. I, I believe it was the opener. Um, I felt bad because I had Emile Smith-Rowe on my bench of my fantasy team, but, you know, uh, you live and you learn. <laughs> and uh, either way, uh, Manchester United still came out on top of this one, showing Arsenal still have a bit of a ways to go before they can really call themselves top four contenders once again. I guessed a 0-0 draw, which couldn't have been further from the truth. So I'll take zero points there. AJ guessed a 1-0 win for Manchester United, which gives them 10 points, and the listeners will get 10 points as well. Not looking good for me, and it's only going to get worse as we go to West Ham (laughs) v. Chelsea. We discussed that one. I believed in my team too much, so I'll take zero points. We're not even going to go over my predicted score there. (laughs) And AJ guessed that West Ham would win 2-1. He'll take 10 points. Listeners will take that as well. And AJ, why don't you go to the last game, 
Der Klassiker. Yeah, this also ended up being 3-2, to two, uh, this time for the away team Bayern Munich. Jack, unfortunately, went with Bayern Munich. I should really just stick with Bayern Munich every single time. I, I said it in the episode, two- bet on Bayern until proven otherwise. Yeah, yeah, 2-1 to one, uh, is what he guessed Bayern Munich. Wasn't exactly the case, but, you know, we'll get 10 points. I really thought it's going to be Dortmund's year. I really thought uh, I really thought their defense would hold up. Unfortunately, Matt Hummels decided to spite me and just give them two goals. Uh, so, and it, I said one to zero. Obviously not true. Get zero points. Listeners get 10 points uh, as well to match Jack. And Jack, why don't you read off uh, the results for this week, huh? Uh, well, I got 25 points. Not great. AJ got 35, and the listeners got 45, which I think might put me in last place or tied for second. I can't remember which one, but I know it's not good. Yeah, Jack, you'd be correct, because uh, you are currently at 360 points. Match with the listeners. I'm at, I'm consolidating my lead, you know, 15-point lead. Anything could change. If I, if I eat, you know, pavement this week, I could be down by 50 points for all I know. So still really, really close coming down to the wire in this final month of our predicting season. But Jack, how about we uh, jump into next week's predictions? Starting with Bayern Munich versus FC Barcelona. You kind of previewed this a little bit in the previous section, but Jack, Bayern Munich versus FC Barcelona. Barcelona have to win in order to you know, control their own destiny. Who do you think is going to take this? Uh, Bayern. Bayern. Uh, I, I know Barcelona have maybe motivation uh, to do things, but you know, I'm, I'm just looking at their injury list right now. Oh my gosh. It, it's, it, it, it's not looking good for them. <laughs> that, that's that. Uh, that's all I've got to say. They're still missing a ton of key players and Bayern Munich. They, they've really humbled Barcelona quite a bit in recent years, uh, including that eight two destruction just yeah. only a season and a half ago. So, I am going to go for Bayern to win this one. Plus, they're at home too. I'm gonna say it'll be two to zero in this one. I I, I really wow. think Bayern are just gonna win, and I also think it's very possible that Bayern or sorry, Barca just don't make it into the knockout rounds of the Champions League. Yeah, well, I can't wait to play Barcelona in the Europa League final. It's gonna be very <laughs> very fun. I can't wait to, for it to go to penalties and Mark Noble to <laughs> score the last one and win it against Barcelona. But no, like, yeah, Barcelona, you know, they have Xavi, you know, good coach. But the lack of player quality and their injuries have been hurting them, even against Real Batiste at home, which they lost 1-0. to zero. Terrible, terrible game from them. Bayern Munich, on the other hand, haven't lost in three home games and haven't lost to Barcelona in three games. Lewandowski is going to eat. We know he's going to eat. It's going to be, you know, his game. It's going to be Bayern's game, especially, like you said, they're at home. I am not convinced that Barcelona are going to be shut out. I think they're going to get some scrappy goal, maybe like uh, a Depay goal right at the end, like 90 plus fifth minutes, and it's, or, it doesn't matter. Or like matter. PK when he's playing at striker somehow. Yeah, yeah maybe. Like, they, they just, like... Managed to get a goal, but it's not nearly enough. And it's going to be 2-1 to one, uh, for Bayern Munich at the end of the day. Moving on to uh, a Europa League game. We don't really predict those too much, but this is also a very uh, big game. Napoli and Leicester City. Uh, Napoli, I think, are, I want to say, on top of their group. And Leicester City are 
uh, second or third. Either way, they need to win if they want to consolidate, consolidate their spot in the Europa League. Neither team are in particularly good form. Napoli has one win in five. Leicester City haven't won against the likes of Villa and Southampton, which is not very impressive at all. The big kicker for me here is Leicester's defense is terrible this season. They've conceded 27 goals so far this season. That's the fourth worst in the league. The fact that this is at home in Naples, I think this is going to be a 3-1 to one win for Napoli, and they go ahead uh, to the knockout rounds of the Europa League. Jack, do you agree with me, or do you believe in the Foxes? Uh, no, I'm going to say 3-2. to I'm going to say that, Na- that Leicester's offense is a little bit better, and Napoli's defense is missing some key parts. So I think that it, it, it's going to be, I, uh, no, I, I can't say the cursed phrase. Otherwise I'm going, it's, it's not going to happen. Uh, I was going <laughs> to say it's going to be a goal fest, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that one. I already did. It's too late. Uh, so <laughs> three to two anyway, I'm, I'm going to go for that. Uh, yeah. Jamie Vardy is going to try his best. Won't be enough though. Yeah. Well, Jamie Vardy has been. Not playing too well in the league, unfortunately for me, because I also have him in my FPL team, and I really want to get rid of him for, like, I don't know, Joshua King or whoever else is a striker that's good. Literally no strikers in the league right now. Oh, jeez. Nope. Uh, speaking of speaking of strikers that aren't good in the league, let's talk about Tottenham, huh? <laughs> let's talk yeah. about Tottenham Hotspur versus Wren in the Conference League. Uh, Tottenham need to win this game and get help in order to... Uh, uh, make it to the, the the conference league knockout rounds. I think they have like a 1% chance of making it uh, according to 538. Jack, do you think that they will make it? Uh, or do you think they'll lose to Ren? I don't think they're going to lose to Ren. I think they're going to draw against Ren. Okay. So I'm going to go for a... They're, they're playing at home. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. That That's what I think. Their, their okay. wins... Yes, Tottenham have won two of their last two games, but they were against Norwich and an injury-strucken Brentford. Not that impressive. They also gave Everton one of their only points in the last two months by drawing against them. It's it's definitely not great. Uh, Yes, Antonio Conte is there, but... If if they're thinking a three zero win it at uh, against Norwich means that they're back to to being a really good team, no, they they not quite. Uh, so I'm gonna say two all. All right, two all. Spurs need this win, and they need to pray that Mora can take points off of Vitesse. However, Ren are second in Liga. I didn't even know that. I haven't really been paying too much uh too too much attention to Liga. Second, only to PSG. Tottenham have had a bit of a comeback since Conte came back. So I'm going to kind of lean on that. I think they're going to win. However, I also think Vitesse are going to win. And so they'll be knocked out. So even though you know they get some scrappy goals or Harry Kane finally scores in a, a meaningful game, I don't think it's going to be enough for them to make the knockout rounds. I'm going with a 2-1 to one for the Spurs. However... We have another bigger game, in my opinion, Portland Timbers and NYCFC in the MLS Cup final to talk about. This is going to be in Providence Park on the 11th at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Central time, I don't even know. But Jack, 
who do you think, before we even preview the MLS Cup final on Thursday, who do you think is going to win this match? Ooh, well, I think in this one, it's going, it's going to be a very interesting matchup between these two. Two fourth seeds making it through. Uh, I, I was, I'm, I'm thinking about this one, and honestly, I think home field advantage is going to come into play here. Portland Timbers are at home. As you mentioned to me several times when I kept saying Minnesota United had a chance against Portland, <laughs> they have the best home record in the league. And as a result, I think the Portland Timbers are going to win this, and it will make me feel better about Minnesota United losing to them in that, in that first round of the playoffs. So I'm going to say... I'm going to say it will be a 2-1 win. Castellanos is probably going to score a goal as well uh, because he'll be back from his red card. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with my gut here. Actually, I'm not going with my gut. I kind of just want to pick the opposite result just so we have some differences here going into the MLS Cup final. But really, this Portland should win because this is the third time since 2015 that they've been in MLS Cup final. This is the seventh season in a row that either seattle or portland are in mls cup they've been here they know what it's like they've been unstoppable at home sebastian blanco hopefully is going to be healthy even without him they're still unstoppable it's felipe mora the charas valeri coming off the bench huge talents huge huge talents they beat some good teams along the way colorado minnesota uh, rsl you know still impressive win but nycfc their defense is really good. They have had a 20 plus 20 goal difference in the regular season compared to Portland's four. Castellanos is back. He was the top goal scorer. I want the narrative of them winning to go through. I want the Red Bulls fans to be sad. I think that'd be really, really funny. However, the thing that's making me really nervous about me picking NYCFC is the fact that they haven't had any real test. They In the first round, they beat Atlanta United 2-0. to zero an Atlanta United team that has won just one game against playoff caliber teams out of like 18 or something. Uh, then they beat New England Revolution after they had 23 days of rest, which has made them very rusty, and they were able to capitalize that. And still, they only beat them with a penalty uh, kicks. You know, it, not exactly the most comprehensive of wins. And Philadelphia Union in the conference final, they won because of, well, you know, a COVID outbreak that took out half their first team. And so they cruised to victory. Not even cruise. They only won due to like a, a almost last minute goal. So NYCFC, I think, are still unproven. But the reason why I'm still picking them is because this is MLS and things just don't make sense. So, of course, the team that has played really, really bad teams this entire playoffs is going to win the entire thing. I'm going with a three to one win Castellanos hat trick. Oh my Let's book God. it. I believe. I believe. Jack, speaking of believing, do you believe that Atletico Madrid can kind of stop their slump and beat Real Madrid? Or do you think the league leaders in La Liga will just consolidate their power even more? Uh, at first, I was going to make a really rash judgment about this, but then I looked at the injury list and Real Madrid only have one injury. But it's a pretty significant one in that Kareem Benzema has a hamstring Wait, injury. Wait, what? Yes. Oh, he has crap. a hamstring injury, uh, and he's going to be out for this game. 
he has 12 goals and 7 assists in 15 matches this season. Uh, but on the other hand, Atletico Madrid have one senior center back in their team. Uh, which means, like, you know, uh, Real Madrid have some pretty on-form players in uh, Vinicius Jr. And even, surprisingly enough, Luka Jovic, who, score, who scored wow. and assisted after coming on for the injured Kareem Benzema against Real Sociedad. I, I, I think that, that, you know, they can definitely win this game. And they probably should against an Atletico Madrid team who's going to be missing like most of their best center backs. Uh, that's that's going to be really un- unfortunate for them. And I think Real Madrid are going to win this probably one to zero, honestly, in the in true Atletico fashion, just to stick it to them. Huh. That's funny. I, me personally, I don't think so will be a competition. I think even without Benzema, Real Madrid are head and shoulders above the competition, whether it be Atletico Madrid or any of the other title contenders there. I mean, they're eight points above second, so yeah, of course they are. Yeah. <laughs> if they're without Benzema, and I just looked it up, yeah, he had some hamstring issues, will probably definitely at least miss in the Inter Milan game. We'll see what happens after that. But they haven't lost in 11 games. Meanwhile, Atletico Madrid, you know what they did? They lost to Mallorca <laughs> at home. God. That's not great. And this is going to be... At uh, Real Madrid, the 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 Bernabeu is not this is not going to be pretty. I I think it's going to be a two to zero win where Real Madrid just kind of control the game. I say that now and it's going to be a two to zero win the other way. So who knows? Who knows? Jack, that is our predictions. How are you feeling about that? Do you think you could retake the lead after this week? Well, I'm hoping that that ridiculous uh, prediction that NYCFC would win three to one <laughs> really works in my favor there. Uh, I'm hoping I, I'm, I'm, I have never said this before, but God, I hope the Timbers win. <laughs> wow. Well, Jack, you know what I'm going to be doing on Saturday? You're going to be wearing your NYCFC wearing jersey. NYCFC jersey and my Portland Timbers jacket. So oh, whoever the wins, I'll Okay. Just, yeah. True I'll bandwagon. True wins. bandwagon. Yes, literally. Uh, it is interesting to note that all of my, uh, uh, teams that I have soccer merch for won their game. West Ham, uh, Portland, NYCFC, Minnesota weren't playing today, so I guess that doesn't really count. So, uh, you know, maybe I should just uh, buy some more merch of the teams I want to win. <laughs> just <you know>? every week. <laughs> yeah, a- every week I'll be like, oh, man, I really need Juventus to win so I could beat Jack in the predictions game, <laughs> buy a jersey. Uh, but, Jack, where can people participate in this uh, game, and where can they find us to uh, find out if uh, Portland or NYCFC have won well they can follow us on twitter at final third show you can go on there we promise we'll get the prediction polls up here this time promise mostly because we don't want to lose out on more points that uh than we need to <laughs> uh in the future because i it, it, it helped you catch up a lot listeners i'm not gonna lie so yes we we're going to get those predictions out there uh and we're also going to keep putting out hot takes on on, on things and uh you know just like uh, how saying, uh, you know, Chelsea somehow actually won against West Ham. That's a hot take. Huh. It's not a true take, but if <laughs> I get unhinged enough, I might, I might, I might post that. So you won't want to miss those stuff like that. So check us out at Final Third Show. Also, uh, give us a rating and uh, 
follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on spotify apple Podcasts, podcast addict whatever uh, tell a friend about the show tell your dad about the show if you want to you know support us in free ways those are you know two very great ways that you can word of mouth is always super super important to us uh yeah we'll see you guys this thursday for an mls cup final preview themed deep dive can't wait to jump into all that stuff and we'll see you guys same time same place for uh, another news and predictions episode next week see ya bye for now <laughs>